0: It is the evening of the fourteenth of October, twenty nineteen. Good evening, and welcome to PBE Daily, the early mornings and late night podcast. My name is Point Blanky I'm very grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast, and for your continued support in the endeavours that I have, as far as taking the different musings and, and, and engaging with me in the thought process of what I've come up with, and even taking the time to even share it with your friends. A big shout out to everybody who's actually been supporting the podcast. For via listening to it or even via sharing it with a friend of yours, I got a lot of great reactions from the three episodes I posted uh, over the weekend. And today, as much as I, I was hoping to not have to record uh, an episode, I felt it was perfect to, a perfect time to actually make one come to life because I want to milk every ounce of the fact that this was a very, very productive day. I spent uh, 90% of this morning uh, just putting things together to send to clients and on top of that getting myself to the office bright and early, thank heavens for that and putting together some of the artwork I was supposed to achieve as far as the goals in what my timelines are in the office. There's a specific goal that people should set for, for themselves on a daily basis and I'm making endeavours and taking strides to make sure that my daily uh, goals are attained and as far as today is concerned I think to a certain extent I've gotten three-quarter way into everything I wanted to achieve and that's both here in the house and also in the office, so my hope and my endeavor is to potentially wake up early enough tomorrow morning. No, I did not wake up at my typical 5am today because going to sleep was actually hard because I ended up spending most of the waking hours uh, brought on because I had a heavy a heavy dinner. That was a bad move. If there's any advice I could give you, if you're going to have a heavy dinner, please have it at around 6 o'clock so at least by 9 or 11 o'clock your body has already adapted to the fact that there's food in its system. Uh, I did the whole lying on my left side to hope that maybe by having it submerged inside the hydrochloric acid (laughs) it would it would be able to be digested quickly but to no avail but even the few hours I spent conscious I ended up nitpicking the different things I wanted to achieve this is a crazy thing that I actually end up doing from time to time I'll lay back and I'll think about the things I want to achieve as far as what the work is because I know what the blueprint looks like The hard part now becomes what do you allocate what responsibilities to and what time do you allocate to each and every one. So when I lay down, I started thinking about one or two different pieces I could actually create quickly enough and one or two pieces, I think I may have a niche or a shtick of how to do it by the time I actually start prepping the backgrounds to be animated. And I think I may have what is needed to make sure I meet the target I'd like to hit by the end of this week, but that's neither here nor there. The reason I wanted to make this episode actually be recorded, even though it's posted on the day after its recording, is because I I watched something during my office hours today, and it it was more or less a revisit of what I was uh, what was part of my second episode of this podcast. And I don't know how many numbers I've hit right now, as far as how many episodes I've created. I'll have to go through a count and a tally after the fact. But it it brought things into perspective in the sense of in the second episode of this podcast I was touching on how certain individuals were considered too radical for certain online platforms for example Instagram and because they were considered too radical for those platforms they had to be put to the side and by being put to the side we thought that they were going to be destroyed because I believe it's Rome that actually had this rule at some point where they'd exile a people and it is a democratic decision that they had actually you would vote who you wanted to be exiled from the town. And when that person is exiled, that was it. And it was as a way to help maintain order. And if you pissed off too many people, you would literally be excommunicated from the entire community as a whole. And when I think back to that actual theory, it helped me see things in a different light in the sense of, I think that's what kind of happens in the current day and age of censorship and how people are taking the time to, keep on policing what ne- the next man should say and what the next man should think and what the next man should actually take as his conclusions or the conclusions they should draw in their everyday life and everyday endeavors. Now, based upon that, the character I was actually talking about and, and touching on in the second episode was uh, the leader of the Nation of Islam, Minister Honour- Honourable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And I was watching a speech he gave on this thing they called Saviour's Day, I believe uh, I may be mistaken, but every year they do a, uh, an event called Savior's Day and it's the day when they actually speak in more or less in either in recapping of what the, the year they had before was and in looking forward to that which they're going to do next and also touch on what is happening in their current affairs and the things that they need to deal with. and. After months of the Minister Lewis Farrakhan being pushed away from Instagram, I started asking myself, okay, so will he be able to keep going? Because he, he never really needed the online platform to reach many people because the community he serves is right there, right smack dab in his backyard and he's he's safe to do it in the United States of America and, and even to travel to the countries which actually have Islamic inklings and their curiosities that would actually have them become even closer linked to, to each other. It's a four-hour... Um, Recording of of the speech that he gave on on on, on Saviour's Day, and uh, uh, it's it's a sermon more or less, and perfect way to spend the afternoon hours that you're working in the office. To be completely honest, I listened to it from two o'clock to five p.m. and it I didn't mind it. The, the thing about me is I'm, I'm a curious individual. I'm, I do not necessarily follow everything a person says in the thinkings that they have in the musings that they have or in the conclusions that they've drawn i use them to help me inform my conclusions i'll give you a perfect example i'm a fan of a lot of things that were done by certain world leaders but i'm also not a fan of some of the things they did that ended up costing other people's lives or maybe i consider too morally incompetent or morally wrong i don't know if that makes any sense it's it's a delicate balance to find the people you'd actually like to say i fully endorse and believe in and it's completely another one you say okay i'll wholeheartedly follow everything that they say and i feel that that should be done in the exact same way for example i'm a big fan of hip-hop music i've always been a fan of hip-hop music but it doesn't mean that i need to be intoxicated or in a state of a haze to create hip-hop music the current state of hip-hop music suffers because most of the people think that you have to create the conducive environment to work which is be high to do it well Some of my favorite rappers don't really need to be high. They actually get high in celebration of the fact that they've achieved the goal they intended to achieve as far as making the music is concerned. But to each his own and to each her own. Now, to come back to what actually led to the idea of this episode and the name itself, I've been looking at how people have been taking the idea of protest and active revolt against um, that which is status quo and that which is a state of order. And when I was thinking about these things, it's an episode I wanted to do, and this is probably going to be one of many, depending on when will be the next time this idea is even better informed by what I watch, read, or listen to. And I start thinking about, uh, as far as being African, the first thing you have to think about is the youth that your country has as far as how young your country is in its understanding of civil rights, civic education, uh, formal education, politics, democracy, and all these different facets that actually make certain parts of the world function. Now, in my case, when I was in high school, 17 years old, if I've touched on this topic before and I've mentioned these words before, I'm just reinforcing that which I'm learning as I go. When I was in high school, there was this moment in life and it was when i was 17 years old 17 years old is where you get to decide if you're going to be very anti-state status quo or if you're going to be towing the line follow what is considered the, the way things are supposed to be and not lift your fist or raise your voice in any regard and it's interesting because my primary life and my secondary life there was always that underbelly of people treating you a certain way because you came from a certain type of school I went to predominantly provincial schools and in these provincial schools people from national schools looked down on you in a certain way people from private schools looked down on you in a certain way people from different uh, uh, education systems like instead of 844 they probably did something else like GSGCE whatever and Everyone would treat each other in a different way or in a separate way altogether. So my first form of protest against the whole idea of who can dictate how far I can go was to make myself better suit that which I was. High school, 17 years old, I realized the mistakes I was making as far as how I was carrying myself. I used to carry myself in a way that, you know, you're, 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 you're an active teenager. Your hormones are acting up. You're trying to figure out how things work in, in society and in, in your life personally. And you want to find your own personal voice and what you're supposed to stand for. So you do the whole making your shirt be untucked, making your tie not sit in the place it's supposed to sit, growing your hair out and keeping it shag instead of keeping it as a neat afro. it it was always all these activities put together not wearing the typical school uniform and all that then when i got to this to to the age of 17 and form three guys in the uk probably understand that particular system or anyone who studied in under the british system gets this when i realized that the best form of rebellion is to be everything they actually expect you not to be became the formula i required So, 17 years old, I decided I will have my hair cut to the perfect height. I will carry myself and speak in the tone that I speak in as as, as I record this right now. I will... Make sure that my uniform is neat and fully kept and everything will be perfect to a T. I decided to become a Kingsman before even the Kingsman comic book was written. That's what I decided to be, to speak in a certain form of eloquence that was Old English. So as a result, I even, and I'm sure one of the people in the high school will, will attest to this fact, I even stole Old English uh books from the library because they used to be sitting in a corner gathering dust so I doubt they were missed because no one really used to go to the, go pick up Othello, Macbeth and, and Shakespeare material so I tend to dabble into those particular materials and when I found audio plays by the BBC of, of these particular shows I actually sit down and sometimes listen to them when I'm in the office and I'm trying to get why Shakespearean tragedies make sense to most people that was my acting form of protest from that which they considered the pigeonholing or the steps of life that I will never make it past then I got out into the world and then it became the hip-hop world that I got into. Now hip-hop also had another stigma that was facing it. And the stigma that was facing hip-hop was the active protest of most people because they said it came from the, since it came from the slums and it came from the from the badlands as far as locally. And it came from the projects in the United States. So it's basically slums but with more flaws. It literally meant that you had to carry yourself in a certain way as far as the perception they expect of you. They want you to be this hoodlum, this ho- this hardcore, hard grazing individual. But that I don't come from that background as far as being in the streets. I never really was in the streets. I can't, I can't even begin to claim that I know these things. The, everything that I heard about the streets, either I saw when, in my days as a day scholar, or I heard as narratives from my peers who spoke to me about the experiences they would have every single day of their lives. And then we'd share that information either by just having a conversation or by just hearing the rhymes that it would kick as fast as freestyles go. In active protest from that which was considered how people should carry themselves from certain neighborhoods, because I also came from the southwest side of Nairobi, and in that side of the town, as much as it leads towards Ngong and Karen, this side was also considered the middle class, the, the lower middle class. And children of people working parastatals were considered vagabonds and just those poor, poor children were trying to find their own way into the, the limelight and, and into even respect and acc- accolades and all that. So my active rebellion became continue to carry myself and speak in the way I speak, even though I did wear the dashikis and the beaded necklaces and everything, but the words I spoke, the way I uttered my phrases, that was going to be my active rebellion against that which you consider what is my place in life and what is my status in life. So that was my form of protest. My form of protest was always as an example. Methodically, I also found it very, very difficult for me to really grasp the idea of going into streets with placards, even though I was in a high school that took to the streets when a friend of ours in, in high school died because of a matato that actually took his life. And we wanted to go out into the streets and just break things that because we were enraged by that idea. But imagine being 16 years old and a guy who you were sitting in class with yesterday gets crushed by a matatu. His sister walks into the compound with his with, with other siblings and they're in tears telling you you can't be sitting in a classroom while the matatu that actually killed your peer is still on the roads. You have to get out. The passions will actually be flared up and we'll move to the streets. That action made sense to me. And you couldn't stop me from moving at that time. Since that passing of that friend in high school, there has never been anything I've seen in the streets that has made me want to actually pick myself up and go into the streets. Mainly because, and I apologize if there's been demonstrations that you haven't seen me on, that there have been demonstrations that haven't seen me actively pick up a a stone and throw at the police officers. This is the reason why I tend to question the, the kind of protests and movements that people create out here in the streets of Nairobi. It seems as a form of convenient disorder. The discord seems prepped in that it's like a festival, it's like a carnival. You leave on this specific day, we we'll go gather in these streets because you've got you've gotten your gazetted uh, uh, license to allow yourself to actually go make the demonstration, peaceful demonstration, right? But then upon doing so, when you go into the streets, at some point you do notice the police show up and then the tear gas shows up and then these guys are locked up for a few hours and they're freed again and then it seems like there was a repeat of this much later and in my head i'm I'm like okay i get it it worked in the 60s i'm certain in order for multi-party politics to be able to be to exist in my country right now it also happened at that time now The thing I find weird about how people protest in the current age, like the boycotts that America is going through when they're trying to boycott certain products or certain product lines, there was a time they were suggesting a boycott of certain products within the country, Kenya. And the reason why that boycott did not make any sense to me is because no solution was offered while they're suggesting the boycott itself. It felt corporately friendly for certain boycotts to exist. It seems that every time I've seen a protest happen in recent past... In, the, in my immediate circles, in my immediate surroundings, as far as my country is concerned, it seems like it's an act of convenient rebellion. How to protest in the 2000s is a question we need to ask ourselves and probably is a question we need to really, really take seriously in order to decide to what extent we're going to be active in that which happens around us. I support discord that has direction leading to an actual end goal that better society in every way, shape, and form. I am in full support of that. And the reason why this tied back to the idea of the NOI and the, the Honourable Minister Louis Farrakhan is this. The speech he gave that I was listening to for four hours in the office and was so engaged by this speech was this. He spoke of how... Being kicked out of this one online platform and other online platforms that were actually trying to keep him away from spreading his message and spreading the ideals that he has and the ideals that were taught to him, the ideals that he has preached for over 60 years, the reason why those ideas ended up moving past him and still keeping the brotherhood that he was seeking as far as fellow African-American leaders and fellow believers in Islam and fellow believers in that which is the knowledge that comes from the Nation of Islam. You should know this. The Nation of Islam is not really a religious group per se because it borrows from both tenets of the Bible and from tenets of the Quran and different other forms of literature that was created in certain religions. They take all this information and research them, and then by molding all this information, they go through it and they find the answers they seek for specific situations they're going for in the speech this guy gave for four hours he actually had quotes from the old testament and he actually knows them by heart he even read some of them from uh, the teleprompters and, and the documents he was reading but it made me think back to why i haven't been in church for such a while the last time i went to the church that i was baptized in or the church of the doctrine that i was baptized into. I didn't see use of the Old Testament as much as the New Testament. It all feels trigger-driven and it feels like it's hype-driven. I, I don't know if I'm making any sense, but just bear with me. I'm, I'm, mul- I'm mulching through all this. To see enough of a drive to make me want to pick up certain pieces of literature and follow these pieces of literature to find a way to even be the ambassador or the custodian of this particular message and use my breath into passing this message forward i need to be moved evoked into understanding and evoked into questioning this episode of a podcast is based upon my questionings my questionings are simple what is the formula forward How do we actively make forms of rebellion that make sense enough for the world to actually react to it? Because I'll tell you this much, as far as the liberal movement has been making great strides globally, the hardened sides that have always held on to power have a sense of practicality. Something I've actually said a couple of times on this podcast, there is a great degree of practicality that comes to the from the hard right that we do not agree with in any way, shape, or form, that has always been something that always seems as if the hard left can never grasp. Could it be because it's a rivalry between heart and mind, and which side makes decisions on either side? Could it be because of these hearts and minds that are supposed to be one and believers into that which is supposed to be our general love for each and every person who is humanity, our general love for that which is our planet? Is it within this particular sense of argument and understanding? Are there answers within that? Or is it because there are certain people who preserve how status quo is and because they've been so used to what the status quo is, they cannot adequately adapt to compete with that which comes from the hard right and I mean that in a global sense the bully keeps on winning because the bully always knows that if he oppresses enough you cannot fight back is it also safe to say that because the bully has figured this thing about us the bully knows how to keep maintaining that actual stronghold on you so much so that you become subject to how you destroy yourself to yourself marinate on that let me know what you come up with i feel free to actually tweet me text me uh, send me messages on email even tag me on any post that you actually put up in regards to this episode i cannot wait to hear from you guys i'm curious to actually get to know what is the best way forward as far as protest and active rebellion against that which is the status quo say it with me be caesar or be nothing at all Thank you very much for constantly supporting the podcast PBE Daily, Early Mornings and Late Night Podcast. And as I close this episode, I leave you with the one word that actually stands so true to me because it stays true in the regards for its simplicity. Play for one team and one team only. Uno.